I chose this verse because of the, we're, we're, we're still going through the book of Luke. Um, we've made it to chapter 5 just because I've spent a lot of time here. Uh, and I want to I w- read a story that I, th- that I think, every time I read it, I'm wondering, is Luke trying to, I mean, he, he's making some serious statements and some serious lessons, but also for his reader's sake, He's keeping it very interesting and even, uh, I would say, even humorous. Uh, for, because every time I read this, I, I just laugh. Because the way that Jesus works with our life is often humorous. He's like, because you look back and you're like, ha, now I see what you're doing. Uh, you know, it's like, You've, you got me again. How many have ever said yes to Jesus in and, or you found yourself walking with Jesus in a way, and then you're like, how did I get here? How did, you know, it's kind of like our, our missionary friend, uh, Sean, he's like, well, I, you know, I want you to pray about it. Well, that's the most dangerous thing to ever do, is, is if you pray about it, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I might have to say yes. And then you're like, well, since I prayed about it, God's probably asking me to do it. And since I'm, uh, you know, and then you end up in, in a place and you're like, ah, I got tricked again. So anyway, we're going to look at, at, at a very uh, fun story. Let's just put it that way. But has serious ramifications. And I'm, 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 before I read it, um, I, I, want you, uh, I want you to understand my title and, the, and what my points are. So my title is Seeing Jesus for the First Time. Now, this is the story when Jesus calls Peter to, him, to himself as a disciple, and it wasn't his first time. But sometimes we see Jesus in a different light, and it's like seeing him for the first time. And I want everybody to have that epiphany, because Jesus is, his life in, in our life is very multifaceted. And if you say, well, I know Jesus, you only know a few facets of him. You don't know him in his fullness. And Peter got an expression of like, oh, and we're going to see that in a minute. But I also, I, when I was reading this, I was like, well, how, what, what is the best way for me to see this? And, and when we see it laid out, it's just a few verses, but it shows people who want to be close to Jesus. It shows people who want to be closer to Jesus, and it shows people who don't want to be too close. Now, in this room, we're the, actually the people who don't want to be too close. Now, I don't mean that to say that in a, in, like, in a bad way, but when sometimes when you get really, really close to Jesus, you're like, uh-oh. Now I'm responsible for following him in his fullness as Lord. It's easier to keep them a little over there. Keep me like, hey, Jesus, we love you. Yeah, we're following you, reading our Bible every day. We're doing that thing. So I'm going to talk about getting too close today. You guys okay? Uh, because I've been there, too close. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, Lord. Oh, now it's breakfast. Okay. So with that, we now pause our unit. Thank you, Jesus, for our food and for uh, the... This is our communion celebration, that the people of God ate a meal together in your presence and with each other and around your word. And thank you. We can do the same this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.
All right. Now I'm on. So let's read the, let's, let me read the story. I'll try not to comment too much. Um, and this is what it says. It says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in to him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Tiberias. It's all three of the same. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he was finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so, they be, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Isn't that a great story? Now, when I was first reading this, I was thinking, it, it, it starts out and it says, on one occasion, and we saw last week that uh, Jesus was, had, had visited uh, Peter's mother-in-law, and they had had Sunday dinner there, or Saturday dinner. And so G- Peter was aware of Jesus at this point. Uh, if you put together the other Gospels, there were other times when, when Peter had encountered Jesus. Um, but then it just says on this on one occasion, and and to me it was as if Peter had gotten a hold of Luke and said, "Hey, in your story, I want you to make sure that when you write this your gospel up, I want you to make sure that you put in this encounter with with me." And so I, I think that's because we don't know how much time it was between chapter four and when he was visiting with with Peter and his mother-in-law and all the people there. And it doesn't say, you know, two days later, a month later, we don't know. It just says on one occasion. I think it's because Peter said, I, no matter what, you've got to put in the story. And, and this, this episode, this encounter with Jesus is not in the other Gospels this way. The calling of Peter is, but not in this way. As I just, just when I was reading, I was just thinking that there's times in our lives where God has encountered us. Has everybody had an encounter with God? At some point, you're, you're like, that was, that was the Lord. I was, I was thinking about this. My, my first encounter with God was when I was, well, the, the first big encounter, when I knew the hand of God was, was uh, upon me or with me, uh, was when I was 12 years old. And I was at a Christian camp uh, accidentally because my parents weren't Christians, but they, they somehow had gotten roped into uh, sending me to camp because they were, they were going to go on their 10th anniversary and uh, one of our neighbors said, oh, you should send him to this camp. 
I don't think they knew it was a Christian camp, but they sent me anyway, which was, was amazing. And I remember we were doing this hide-and-seek thing, and it was in the woods. We were in the Adirondacks in New York. And I climbed this, this fir, this giant pine tree, and uh, it was a great place to hide. It, it was such a great place that everybody was gone and left me there. Uh, so, so I guess I won. Uh, I don't think I could have died out there. Nobody would have known I was out there. But when I was climbing down the tree, uh, a branch broke, and I fell probably, I don't know. I mean, I was a little kid. I was 12 years old. I, I, I fell 1,000 feet. No, I, I don't know. It might have been 20 feet, but it was enough that I would have gotten hurt. But I hit the bottom branch of this fir tree, and it just lowered me to the ground. And I, it, was, it was as if the hand of God caught me. And it was the first time I recognized this is the hand of God. Uh, a few days later, and I hadn't thought about this in a while, but we were playing capture the flag at that same camp. This is a dangerous camp. Because, <laughs> because I, was, I was running uh, through this field, and I stuck my foot in a gigantic hornet's nest. Back there, they have hornets in, in the ground. And I remember stepping on this hornet's nest and then seeing all these hornets come flying out at me. And I remember, like, running as fast as you can, because that's what you do when you hit hornets. Um, and I'd gotten stung, I don't know, a, a thousand times. Uh, it was probably about 20 times. But I'd never felt any pain. I remember going to the nurse, and she goes, man, you, you must be in really bad shape, because I had a lot of little pokey holes on me. And I didn't experience any pain. In fact, uh, after, after she, she rubbed some stuff on me, I went, went out and finished the game. Those two experiences, and I've had many since, were, so, were those times when I realized it was on that occasion that God was trying to show me himself. I still think that, that experiences with God should be, you know, I mean, I'm talking about when I was 12 years old, which was like 10 days ago. But um, they, though there may be few and far between, they, they should be regular. Uh, in Peter's life, as we follow in the Gospels, we, we see him in, encounter Jesus in many different ways over these three years. And we see how, how Jesus uh, shows him things as we go. So anyway, all that to say... So on this one occasion, the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. And these are, these are the people that want to be close to God. And my big question of the morning is, how close to God do you want to be? How close do you, to God do you want to be? Anybody? Anybody? You, you don't want to answer it? Do you want to be, do you want to be like, like Paul? He's like, I want to be one with Jesus. I mean, we read that and we're like, that's what I want to be. But the average American Christian, I, I just I hate to put it in those terms, wants Jesus just close enough. And the, these are the people who's like, I love the teachings of Jesus. I love, you know, it says, it says they were pressing on him to hear the word of God. They had a passion for God's word. They wanted to hear what Jesus was doing. They wanted to be, even be close to him. So there's kind of a, a place there. And, and I think a lot of Christians, we, we, we just want to live our life at that level. It's like, hearing the word of God, you know, get to be around Jesus, good stuff's happened, okay? Um, and then it says that Jesus, he, he saw these two boats by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, 
and we're washing their nets. And so the next thing that happens is uh, when he had finished speaking, oh, oh, I'm sorry because I have um, all mine jumbled up. Uh, He's getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Now, if you think about this, uh, you're walking along and you see Jesus get in your car to preach. How would you feel? Anybody? You know, I mean, here you're like, you're working over here, you're doing some stuff, and all of a sudden you see Jesus walk in your garage and gets in your car, and you're like, but what's your first initial reaction? Anybody? Anybody touches any of your stuff? He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he goes, oh yeah, that's right, he, he's Jesus. Uh, it's okay, I guess. Um, you, you can hang it. And, and then Jesus calls him over and says, uh, get, can you push this thing out a little bit? Um, because he, he wants to create some boundaries because the people were pressing into him, right? Um, so it says, so he gets into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Uh, Jesus, and when he was finished up, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for the catch. And Simon answered, Master. I just want to put there, that's kind of the second level of closeness, is when you're saying master. Now, the the word master there is like saying sir, senor. It's it's like, I respect you. I respect you, Jesus. I've been hanging out with you. You know, you were at my mother-in-law's house. That was cool when you healed her. Um, yo, master. And, and it's kind of, that's the second level of closeness for a Christian. I mean, some it's just like, hey, we want to, you know, we, we love the word and we, we want to hear more what you're doing. And the second one is when Jesus is trying to do something with your stuff and you're saying, okay, yeah, master, you're, you're, you have authority in my life. Go ahead, whatever, you know, what you want to do. Now, of course, uh, Peter was quick to remind him you're a preacher, I'm a fisherman. So, which means you don't know what you're doing. Uh, how, how many have ever said that to God? It's, it's, like, it's like, excuse me, I, I've, been, I've been fishing all night. He, he says, put it out in the deep. And he says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Nothing's happening out there. Any fisherman knows that there's certain good days to fish and there's certain bad days to fish. And if you've been out there, you're not going back out, even if Jesus says so. But he says, well, because you say so, I guess I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll head back in because I want to prove to you that you don't know what you're talking about. And, and I think that's the level of closeness that uh, most people settle for because when we read the, the Bible or when we're convicted by the Spirit in prayer, we're like hesitant because I'm okay living my life the way I'm living it right now. I'm trying to find myself on this too. It's like, yeah, Lord, I'm at the ma- I'm I'm at the master level. Once in a while, I'll, I'll go to the Lord level, but I'm at the master level. So I, I I I like the convenience of of my obedience to you, as long as it's hesitant. Okay. One thing you have to be wear, be wary of is when Jesus, when he first gets in your boat, he's going somewhere. Uh, for a lot of us, we're like, uh-oh, 
<laughs> that dude just got in my boat. You wish he got in your friend, in your partner's boat. It's always more fun when you watch God trying to do something with other people. It's like, I see what God's doing. <laughs> that, that's going to be a problem. But don't worry. Jesus gets them all involved. Okay. Um, so he recognizes your authority, his authority, and then Jesus says, okay, we're going to go in, into the deep. And the, the word there, I mean, he knew as a fisherman, they were going to the deep water. That's where he, they'd probably been because, the, you know, around where they were, it was all fished out. Uh, but, but Peter also knew that in the deep water, the, the, the fish during that time of day would have gone deeper, right? But that word's also used about the deep things of God. And when, when we read that, put out into the deep, I think it's important for us to hear the Holy Spirit say to us, let's go deeper. Why are we hanging close to the shore when Jesus is calling us to the deep? And for all of us, uh, we, we, we have our excuses. Master, we've toiled all night. We took nothing. But at your word, when I think about uh, you know, getting close to God, I always, you know, again, this, is, this has been one of my problems. And, and I think Gio brought, it, brought up the problem. Is there something in us that wants to get closer to God, but we get blocked? But the reality is, Jesus wants to get closer to us. And what our challenge is, is taking out the barriers that keep him from getting to us. It might sound like, oh, I'm just doing a little, you know, little spiritual judo on you. But most of the issues, and even in our, in our sacred reading, where it says it's by faith and not by your righteousness that's found by the law, because there's always something in us that, that says, I want to try to do this to get to God. That's what, the, that's what the law is all about. I'll do this to get to God. And faith says, I'm not going to do anything but trust him and let him come to me. And so Peter says, okay, let's do this. And, when, uh, and so though he, though he protests, he says, when they, when they had done this, gone out to the deep, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. One of the things I was thinking when I first read this was, this is what everyone wants. Everybody wants what they've always wanted. <laughs> a boat full of fish. This was like, I get to take the week off. I might get to take the month off with this catch. This is everything I've wanted. And there's something about Jesus. He gives us everything we want. And then like Paul, we realize, I don't want any of it. I want Jesus. <laughs> and P Peter was coming to the realization because he's like, oh, oh, look, look, we got, we got a lot here. And then all of a sudden his boat begins to sink, which is not good. Uh, now, you got to realize Jesus is in the boat, <laughs> right? Jesus didn't want to sink either. I don't know. That's why, I, that's why I, I think it's humorous because when you think through the story, you're like, 
okay, Jesus, he gets all this fish, the boat's sinking, Peter's freaking out. <laughs> Jesus is like, I should be freaking out here. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Things are sinking. Anyway, so they're smart, and they, they signal to their partners, to the other boat, to come and help us. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're in trouble now. And then it says this in verse 8, and it's, it's just the most beautiful line. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees before Jesus. It said, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. It's not, he didn't see the boat sinking or the fish. He saw Jesus for the first time. He'd been hanging out with Jesus, but all of a sudden, it says when he saw it, what he saw it was, this guy is the person I need to call Lord of my life. And of course, the first thing that happens when you get too close to Jesus is you reflect on who you are. (laughs) And you go, oh, get away. Get out of here. I am sinful. What are you doing with me? And then he calls him for the first time, oh Lord. So that's kind of the the three tiers. We've got the word of God, the great teacher. And then we've got the master. And then we've got the Lord. And Jesus, when he calls people, he calls them to that place of lordship of saying, will you follow me ultimately in, in, in what I need you to be doing? And most of us get stopped at the master point or we return to the master point. And uh, I think when I'm reading this, you know, what the Holy Spirit has been saying to me is like, you need to go for it. You need to, to go for the full lordship. Uh, I wrote down in... And so, it, let me finish the story. And so, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish and, that they had taken. And so also, James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with, with Simon, everybody was astonished, except Peter realized who Jesus was. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Isn't that a crazy story? (laughs) And I I know we we sing it a lot. You know, I surrender all or, you know, Songs like that. And there's just something in my heart. I don't know if it's, if it's the season that we're in as a community or a season that we're in in the world. Uh, but the Lord's calling us to the deep. And he's calling us to leave things behind. And he's calling us to throw in the stuff in the trash pile. And he's calling us to oneness with Christ. And anything less is going to feel just like compromise. Like, why am, I, why am I even doing that? And so it's our communion Sunday. How was breakfast so far? Now, uh, you guys mind serving up communion for us? 
So, of course, communion is a time where we're reminded that Jesus is the one that was trying to be close to us. Jesus is the one that washed the disciples' feet. Jesus is the one that served them the communion. Jesus is the one that says, hey, I'm giving you everything. Now, I don't want to run over the way that Jesus addressed Simon. Because he comes to him in that moment while Simon's saying, you're too close to me. And he says, don't be afraid. And I think one of the reasons that we don't move from master to lordship is because we're afraid of what that means. Maybe he'll ask us to give up something that we're not wanting to give up. You know, here it's, it was a vocation. Um, but the cool thing was, he got to spend the next three and a half years with Jesus. <laughs> So whatever we're worried about, whatever we're afraid of, Jesus wants to replace with something way more radical as that's his presence in, in a season. So. so as we come to the table this morning, this part, uh, how close do you want to be? It's okay to say, ah, I'd like to be here or I'd like to be here. But I know that everybody in this room is, is like, no, I want it all. I don't, I don't want to be mediocre in my faith. I want the full gospel. I want the full Holy Spirit. I want the full salvation. I want the full faith. I want to see the miracles of God. And I know it's a, it's a struggle in our heart when, when we think about what, the, what might that mean? But it's so exciting because they had no problem when they got to shore just saying, that's it, it's over. My old life is over. I want to have a new life with Jesus. And I think there's a season in all of our lives where he's, he's declaring a, a new life, a new season for us. And as we come to the table of the Lord, we, we first we confess our sins, just like Peter. Lord, how can you take us, sinners, and then by grace, you cover us, which is what the table's all about, that you shed your blood, you broke your body, so that we could be right next to you, one with Christ. And so, Lord, we, we confess our sins. We trust in your salvation this morning, which this represents. And we also trust you for what you're 
desiring to do as you draw us closer to yourself. So as we take this bread this morning, let's declare to the Lord, we want to be close. We want to be closer. (laughs) We want to be as closest as we can be. And there's nothing we need to fear in that. Let's go ahead and take the bread this morning. And now as we take this cup, Jesus said that this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you, this life. We don't want this to be a ritual. We want this to be life. And as we take this cup this morning, we need your Holy Spirit, Lord, to pour into us. We need your life wherever we're broken whether it's spiritually or emotionally or physically, we need you to pour into us, Lord, by your Spirit. Heal us. Set us free, as we sang. Set us fully free from being afraid of you or not wanting to be close to you because we're afraid of what that might mean. So, Lord, pour your life into us as we take this cup now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So from now on, you'll be catching men. <laughs> There's been some things on, on my heart, and I just want, um, just in closing today, you know, we're, we're living, how, how many are fa- fairly comfortable, even though these chairs sometimes cannot be as that comfortable? But we live in a pretty comfortable situation here in the U.S. of A., uh, right now, and yet there there's some around the world uh, that are suffering very deeply. And w- while I I, pr- I pray that you give, and if you need opportunities to give to these certain things, uh, and you need uh, our our Foursquare denomination has people on the ground in Turkey and Syria, um, but. You know, this war that's been going on in Ukraine has been going over a year. And some of our Foursquare people, we have a number of churches and schools there. Um, they, sent out, they sent out a thing here, uh, a bulletin this week, and it says, uh, over the last 12 months, 14 million people have been displaced. 42,000 people have died. Thousands are missing. And even more are in desperate need of continued help. And it, you know, the city of San Jose is one million people. Could you imagine 14 San Jose's full of people having to go somewhere else? You know, from our perspective, we don't, you know, we're like, yeah, there's war over there. That's terrible. But to the people on the ground, 14,000 people is a lot of people. We're a million people, 14 million people. So... I, I, that and then with with that the earthquake that continues on and on. I don't know. I, I just I'm usually not burdened by nat, by international news, um, but when I get newsletters from people I know <laughs> that are on the ground, then I then I'm like, oh, my heart should be broken for this. So I wanted us just to 
pray for a moment uh, that God would meet these needs. Uh, if there's, if you need opportunity to give, as I always say, you don't have to give a lot to any cause. Ten dollars. You know, when I get newsletters and stuff, I always just I, I send them a ten, send them a twenty, send them a fifty. Just, you know, that goes a long way. So. Let's let's uh, as we close this morning. I just want to pray for these situations, and especially for you know, it's, it's not the war, it's not the earthquake, it's the people. And uh, Lord, that you would uh, break our hearts for what breaks yours, uh, as you look down on when you, we see pictures of in Turkey, the people living in the snow in tents, and I just know how cold that is. That's and people who have been displaced and don't know where their loved ones are or if they're alive or if they're in another place because they fled their country. Uh, That should break our hearts, Lord. What would that be like for us? And yet you've somehow cared for us in in a particular way. And I pray that you would uh, teach us how to pray for those that are hurting like, like this. Uh, we, we do pray for those workers on the ground, especially especially Christian workers, uh, that they would have an opportunity to share the love of Christ in action and in word. And we pray too, Lord, that you would move our hearts, uh, even for our own community. There's plenty to do right here. Uh, but as we think about people in, uh, in other countries, uh, that, that our hearts would be moved at least to pray for them and to give if, uh, if we are able. And Lord, we just want to commit our way to you, Lord, in this and ask that you would do uh, an amazing work. We pray that you would stop the war. Uh, we, we pray for your peace. And we thank you that you are the God of peace for our lives and for the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Life just keeps getting real. <laughs> and uh, and it's easy for us to to live in our little bubble and forget that this whole world is needing what we have. So, thank you for sharing breakfast with us. We we have a lot to eat there, so it's definitely seconds. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for being here. It is a great pleasure to be with you guys this morning. And thank you for listening to my little talk. Uh, Yeah, one thing I wrote down in my journal when I was doing this was uh, don't, um, just felt like the Holy Spirit saying to me, it says, uh, be open to my teaching, but also my calling. And, you know, God calls at certain times of our life. Uh, I, I think right now, and really in this past season, you know, a call to prayer has been the biggest call, is that uh, what we're capable of doing spiritually will move the earth, not just now, but in the future. Uh, I know I was saved because of my great aunt's prayers, and it took many years for it to come to fruition, but our very prayers might be the thing that brings the revival a hundred years from now. Because God's not, he's not bound by time. 
and uh, it, in Revelation it talks about the the the, the bowl of, of heaven, and Paul talks about. There's a number of places. Uh, we don't know what prayer will tip, <laughs> will, will will cause the tipping point, uh, but he calls us to be part of the people that fill that bowl. And uh, in one place when Peter, Paul is talking, he say, he's, he says, through your many prayers, I will be delivered. And uh, every time I, I think about that verse, I, I wonder, how many more did he need <laughs> to be delivered? And what's he calling us? Because prayer is the hardest work of the Christian. Uh, it's the most joyful when, when we fully understand it, but it's also the hardest. And um, because the enemy will, he will do whatever it takes to keep us from prayer. I guarantee it. All right, done talking. Thanks, you guys.